0: You're listening to the EMS Wise Guys podcast.
1: Yeah, stand by for the EMS Wise Guys. Eh?
0: Good day and welcome to the EMS Wise Guys podcast being brought to you as always from the Speakeasy Studios here in Amherst, New York. This is Sean Hulsman, and with me, my partner, the contemplative J.D. John Di Virgilio. You finally found an adjective, huh? I, I had to put one back in the mix, man. <laughs> what does that one mean? Contemplative? I, I think don't know. we're, we're going to talk a lot about that actually in this episode. Okay. Yeah. What? Wow. Okay. Well,
1: you have to define it for us to talk about well, it.
0: Contemplative is somebody who uh, who, who contemplates. Oh. <laughs> I can't <laughs> contemplate that. How are you, Sean? It's to think deeply. It's to think th- deeply. To think Ooh, deeply like to into things, and then and that then does we'll, pertain. We'll talk about contemplative prayer and things like that, which mm. uh, you know are, are kind of uh, meditative type practices. But, anyways, before we get there, I am well. Thank you for asking. Um, are, you, are you being resilient? Uh, I'm being as resilient as I can be, and that includes a lot of coffee. And um, I had out. a uh, meditative hike this weekend. Uh, I posted saw, it on our wise guys I saw page. the pictures of that. How was
1: that? It was very enjoyable. Yeah. It was nice to get out. I was having a rough weekend, you know. That was uh, Glen Falls. Uh, Watkins Glen Watkins Glen Watkins, Watkins Glen. Glen. It was cool. a lot of fun First time out there Long, long drive Very long drive so. Normally
0: people talk about Watkins Glen In relation to
1: racing, racing And right I watched to, my first NASCAR race oh, okay, this weekend cool. So I think we're getting A little off base here You know, you have some
0: People you want to introduce I do, I do So we have some more guests On the show And guests are always awesome uh, I'd like to welcome To the studio uh, Two gentlemen uh, These are uh, gentlemen Who are part of A organization Called Brothers Without Borders And we'll talk about Why that name may change soon uh, But uh, with us is uh, Brandon Vizzi, who is a co-founder of hey. Brothers Without Borders. Welcome. Hey guys, thanks and for having And then us. Uh, we have uh, David Monroe, who is also part of the organization and uh, an elder with the ministry.
2: Hello. Do we get an adjective too, Sean? Um,
0: you get the, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just dump stalwart on you guys. All right. Stalwart. I'll yeah. look that one up later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks H- for having me. How us. are you? Uh, how are you coping with uh, with COVID? Are you guys, uh, you know, getting getting your things done and still going to work? You're, you're both uh, you're both EMS fire related, so yeah, they're still the essential.
3: Hashtag essential. staff. Yeah, they're yeah, so <laughs> still coming
0: in. Um, we decided to bring these guys in because our current uh, push is the resiliency thing, and uh, you know, we talked a little bit with uh, Brian Bronner last couple episodes about resiliency and what that means and. These gentlemen, uh, as part of the organization and ministry, uh, do use uh, their spirituality to uh, get their resiliency and to uh, you know, get them through tough times. And they also help people through difficult times as well. Um, and just throw it out there before we get started. Uh, I, this will be a somewhat spiritual religious discussion today. Uh, so for,
3: you know, we're not uh, condoning any specific faith process or deity. Tell us about of Without Borders. So Brothers Without Borders was founded by myself and another firefighter back in 2011. The other firefighter's name is Mike Parker. He was a fire chief at Alka Creek at the time. And him and I have been working in the service for a while. I've been in fire at EMS since 2005, and Mike Parker's been in since uh, the mid-'90s. And him and I just want to try and find a way to show people where there's hope in emergency services. A lot of the people that, you know, I've worked with on the ambulance, I spent a lot of time working street corners. Uh, Mike's been working uh, back in the days of uh, Gold Cross, was it? Gold Cross. Gold Cross, yeah. yeah.
0: Wow,
1: way back yeah. in the day. back yeah. to Western New York.
3: <clears throat> yeah, so he's he's been there in the services for a while. And we just want to try and find a way to show people where there's hope. We got tired of seeing our fellow first responders try and deal with stuff in unhealthy ways. And I know you guys have talked a lot about that in previous podcasts. And we just got tired of seeing people try and look for hope at the end of a bottle, at, at the end of a joint, and just trying to say, hey, listen, this is where we found hope. And we're not just a bunch of Jesus freaks walking around saying, you need to believe what we believe. We just want to show everybody truth. And, you know, I could say something is true, but unless it's actually true, it's not going to be true. So whatever I believe, I just want to believe what's true. Depends what news network you watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, so what I believe could be different, what someone believes could be different from the truth. So Mm -hmm. say I believe I can fly if I go up on the roof and I believe with everything within me that I can fly. And I decided to take a jump. Well, I'm an idiot because the truth is, there's a law of gravity. So we wanted to believe what was true, and we found truth to be found in scripture.
0: And I think uh, I think a lot of people will find their own truth uh, depending on, on where they look and, mm-hmm. and and what is always true for you know myself is not true for JD always. And um, I think that's a very important part of spirituality is finding that truth. Uh, of your own. What is your truth? You know, how, how do scriptures speak to you? How do those things happen and uh, how do they change your life and work for you? So mm-hmm. I like that finding truth. Yeah. I hope. So uh, you guys have been pretty active through all this or?
3: We have, yeah. So since we launched in 2011, we originally started as an international ministry where we would travel to the Dominican Republic, which is a third world country, and just help our first responders down there. And we originally started just doing tangible things like getting the firefighters gear, getting the paramedics any supplies that they need, getting them money to help refurb some of the ambulances. And then it turned into focusing more on mental health because even though we're separated by 2,000 miles, first responders all over the world, shockingly. Struggle with the exact same things that we struggle with here. Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. So from that, we ended up launching a first responder support ministry where uh, it's not only international, but also here in the States where people can call us. And we actually have counselors that are certified and people can talk with them and just talk about life on the job. And we wanted to be a ministry that's for first responders by first responders. Because I'm sure anyone who sat in, and I'm not knocking on any of these official classes, sometimes can leave there saying, what just happened, right? <laughs> what did I just sit through? And what was I just mandated to sit through? And we wanted it to be something that people could leave and say, I feel better. I feel relieved. Or that's helping me work through whatever I'm struggling with.
1: So I, I was doing a little research about you guys before. You guys uh, do donations of equipment, too, and stuff like that? Yes, I saw the fire truck and thought that was cool.
3: Yeah. So in in 2015, um, we actually received a phone call from Adams Fire Company up in Niagara County. And they were looking to replace one of their engines. And they said, you guys could have the engine as long as we don't get any other bids. So they got a couple bids, and they all fell through. And they said, do you guys want it? we said, sure. So we just said, now we got to find a way to get a fire truck to the Dominican Republic. We can't (laughs) drive it to a Caribbean island. So after searching high and low and calling every contact we had... We got connected with the United States Air Force, and they said, Well, we do these goodwill missions through USAID. And if you guys are interested, we could fly it to the Dominican at no cost to the group, but it needs to go out of a certain airbase. So the first airbase they told us was Lackland Air Force, based down in Texas. Oh. And we said, Well, that's a long drive and an open back fire engine that's governed at 58 miles an hour. But that's
1: a lot of diesel, too. <laughs> yeah, <it> sure is.
3: <laughs> So we said, I don't know if that's the best way we should go. So, uh, again, we started just praying about it and saying, is there another way we can make this happen? So we get a phone call from the Air Force, and they said, it can go out of Naval Air Station Oceana in Virginia Beach. And we said, it's not ideal. We have an Air Force base 10 minutes up the road. Yeah, right. We'll take it. And they said, we don't do a lot of uh, international missions out of the Niagara Falls Air Base. So we said, okay, we'll try and make this work. So we get a phone call the following Tuesday, and they said, if you can have it to Niagara Falls by Thursday, we'll fly it to the Dominican for you. Awesome. So instead of driving, oh, um, you know, forty hours across the country, we got to drive it twenty minutes up to Niagara Falls and just that's drive it. Great! Then <laughs> they flew it in a C five. They delivered it right to the Dominican Forest. I keep thinking about Operation Dumbo Drop.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you ever, you ever see that movie? Uh,
3: yeah. 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 They bring the elephant in. It's, uh, Dennis Leary's old movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Cool.
1: So uh, we got Vizzy's history here, and Vizzy and I used to be partners for a couple months. Uh, back in the day. Um, and but Dave, how about you? Like, wh- how would you get involved with this? Uh, and a, a little bit about your history, too, I mean.
2: Sure. I, I used to work for a uh, rural metro, and I, I was back, when Brandon Vizy was a uh, an aide at ECMC. I had brought a patient there, and I just knew of him. A tech. Uh, through a friend. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> a patient friend. You're just a nurse's
1: aide. Man. It's like ambulance driver. Yeah. <laughs> so.
2: Um I don't know. I, I saw him, and I'm like, "Hey, man! I, I heard you were going to go down to the Dominican. I like flying. I've never been, you know, down to a, a third world country before. I, I'm game for an adventure." And uh, I just kind of took over from there. You know, I the first ever trip was in 2011, 2012, 2012, and uh, and we went down there. And exactly what Brandon said about the hope that you know we just gave down there. We just loved down the firefighters. Um, Like you said before, firefighters are the same down there as they are here. You know, we all have the same struggles. We all, you know, want the same thing. We all care about our community. We all want to, you know, take care of them. Mm -hmm. And um, it was crazy just the the relationships that we built with them over, you know, from the first trip down in 2012 to, you know, 2015, 16. Some of the firehouses, you know, they they started putting up uh, paint on the wall. You know, they started building, you know, better stuff, better facilities for them inside. And And it just started from the hope and just loving on them. And it's amazing what just a little bit of you know care and compassion would do. Um, so I, ever since then, it's just contagious to being able to help other people. And it was just through that random happenstance, bringing a patient to ECMC and saying, "Hey, Vizzy, I uh, I heard about this trip," and just being open. And and that, that was really cool, just being able to uh, be there for a fellow man and being able to help people. And that hope really is what what sparked it.
0: Can you uh, talk a little bit about um, the conditions that you guys find down there because uh, obviously they, they do need your help. Um, so I mean what, what's it like in, in Dominican that you know, I mean what are you guys actually doing and, and what what kind of services do they have? what kind of equipment do they have how you know what's it like going down there?
2: It, it varies from place to place. you we've been in some fire departments they have they have up-to-date modern equipment um, and then other places will go and they literally are running fire or EMS out of a shack. Really? And uh, it, it's very political down there. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. Um, if your chief doesn't play the, play the political card very well, then, um, then you're kind of SOL. Um, but, you know, we've gone to some, and we, we try to focus mainly on the ones that need our help. Because obviously the ones that, you know, have a lot of money, you know, we'll go there, we'll try to build a relationship with you, we'll help you out. You know, you, you know how can we pray for you? How can we help you? Um, but mainly they're kind of like, nah, we, we don't want it. But we go to the other places and like, yeah, we want your help come here what do you know you're americans you obviously have training and uh <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes whether or not you know to their detriment you know we we do you know we try to help them and, and train them and, and just build that relationship with them um but some of the places you know they have they have holes in the holes in the ground to pee in and uh you know wow. they, they have sleeping quarters that are just filthy and dirty and you know no some might not have electric um i remember the, the first one that we went to down is it Guanacanis, brandon the the one with the fire truck that that wasn't working,
3: no that was uh, Consuelo
2: oh Consuelo and uh, they didn't have, they they had a town of probably about the size of maybe Lockport to cover and um, so I mean you're talking about maybe a hundred thousand fifty thousand people and uh, you know you go in there and and they didn't have a a, a fire a fire truck that was working. Oh, okay. um, And, and we talked to the chief, and he's like, well, what do you do if you get a fire? Well, we're going to go, and we're going to go with
3: buckets. <laughs> so, like bucket brigade. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. They use it. Kind of
0: kind of puts uh, perspective on having to sit in the corners. Uh, and it
3: <laughs> yeah, right. In some of these rural areas, they don't have a 911 system. So to actually get alerted to any sort of emergency, they'll call the chief or the paramedic in charge's cell phone, and then it'll be a phone tree, almost like it was back in the wow. 60s for oh, the wow. volunteer firefighters where they would actually call one person, then put a phone call out, and whoever can make it shows up, and that's where they go.
2: Jeez. And about the fire truck, too, it was really neat because we, we sent the fire truck down to a department that was supposed to get it. That fire truck from that department then in turn gave it to Consuelo. So we were actually able to just do that donation of the Adams fire truck. We were able to bless two fire departments so they were actually able to get a truck there so that was was pretty cool and that was the first time really where they where they got the concept of mutual aid mutual aid down there didn't really exist uh until we went down there and kind of showed that hey you got to help out your neighbors you got to help out your brothers so uh with all the the COVID 19 stuff
1: going on and we we've decided that we're going to do this uh resiliency series over the last couple ones you look at the idea kind of came through brian and everything that happened and uh you know, Sean and I have been talking, like, how, how are we going to go forward through here? So, you know, one of the pillars of resiliency that we've discovered as we've been doing this is, is faith-based, is is whether it's spiritual, whether it's actually found in a religious function or not. But one of the things you guys have done with COVID-19 is uh, you guys have done donations to the area, you know, specifically mm-hmm. here at Twin City, 8 Millions, City of Tonawanda Police Department, Town of Tonawanda Police and Paramedics, you know, what what motivated you guys to get out there and do that kind of donation?
3: We wanted to try and find a way just to give back in the community, Um, not just internationally, but also locally. We know how many first responders are struggling with things they may deal with. And we know what it's like to talk to people that are just struggling and looking for hope. And especially now, if you have somebody that may have been on the edge of a breakdown before COVID started, and now all of a sudden COVID happens and they don't know where to turn or what to do, it it could be the end of someone's rope. And we're tired of seeing first responders in, in that pit without knowing a way out. And so, going back to what I said originally, we wanted to show people what what's helped us. Where have we found where have we found truth, and what do we know to be true? And so, we ended up launching a drive, and we got several very generous donors that have been able to put some money into it, into the ministry, and that helped us purchase Bibles. Uh, Anderson's ice cream uh, partnered with us; they gave us little coupons for free ice cream for all the first responders. That's awesome. And then we also put together a bookmark that has information on where to go in the Bible if you feel. A certain way, okay. because instead of just handing someone a Bible, someone could be, what am I going to do with this? Right. <laughs> so we, <Right>. so we <laughs> want to give certain people a starting point And, you know, we want to be able to come alongside people and not necessarily be like, you need to do this or you need to believe this. Be like, hey, you know, we just want to love on you guys because we know what it's like to be in that pit. We've been there with you and we're here with you and for you. And so putting all that stuff together, we just wanted to encourage people in our hometown just to let them know that they're not alone.
1: So it's one of my favorite analogies with this stuff is the pit analogy, you know, Um, but you're down in a pit and, you know, you ask for help from somebody who's walking by and they throw you down, you know, a a shovel and you're supposed to get out yourself. The next person throws you down a flashlight and then you're supposed to get out yourself. Last person comes by and they jump down with you. And you're like, why'd you jump down here with me? And it's because I've been here before and I can help you get out. And that's one of my favorite stories when we're talking about resiliency and building it and whether it's faith-based or spiritual-based or, Mm -hmm. you know, yoga or anything, fitness, stuff like that, you know, that's one of the coolest stories is there's always somebody who's probably been there and all you have to do is reach out for help. Exactly.
3: And that's what we want to do—is just show other first responders that we've been there. Dave and I have talked, and I know you and I—we all talked before the show started—that we've been in that pit before. Yeah, and how we got out could be the way to encourage someone, and where we found help and truth in scripture is a way that maybe someone else might find help right. and truth. I know, um,
0: you know, one of the very powerful things that happened for me um, when I got involved in therapy was that um, you know the, the, the gentleman that I was seeing was very—he was very eager to. Uh, point out to me that you know this was going to pass at some point. Um, and in and, and doing that, he established hope for me. And you guys had mentioned hope before, and I think that's a really powerful thing because there was there was always that hope. Even on my darkest days, there was that hope that I, I, I wasn't always going to feel this way. I was depressed now. I felt crappy now. Um, you know, My life was not certainly where I wanted it to be right now, but there's some light at the end of this. And, and I think when you start to see people getting into that suicide mode uh, when taking their own lives or just you know completely falling off uh, of their social obligations and getting to that really bad spot, that's what happened happens they lose that hope they start to feel mm-hmm. like this is a never-ending cycle this is going to keep going on i'm not going to get out of this um and you know brian brauner mentions that in, in his resiliency discussion where you know when he came to the realization that he can understand suicide to some degree for people you know if you had to relive your worst day every day of your life for two or three years and you had no hope that that was ever going to end you can almost understand how that would be almost unbearable and, and think about that
3: yeah yeah, and, and that's something that we just wanted to, you know, show people again that there's hope because dealing with that, and everyone deals with it in different ways. But a lot of the the ways that we see people cope nowadays is numbing the pain. Like we you know, once you sober up, that pain and hurt is still going to be there. Yeah. So how do you actually get behind the root of it and start dealing with it?
0: How's the response been
3: to the outreach? So far, it's been very positive. Yeah, a lot of the police officers, paramedics, they've all reached out to us and gave us a nice thank you and. It's it's good. So we we fielded a couple questions. Uh, just being able to pray with people and just ask why we're doing what we do, and you know why do you guys give Bibles out to public agencies? And just <laughs> <laughs> just being able to encourage
0: people. Have you? Uh, so do you guys have an actual brick and mortar church, or do you have a,
3: a meeting place where you guys get together? We don't right it? now. Okay, yeah, we're still a small nonprofit. We have about. I'd say, what do you think, Dave, 70 people, 80 people?
2: Yeah, I'd say roughly that. Yeah,
3: across uh, four different states right now. Okay. So we have outreach down in Virginia, Georgia, and also Florida. So we have guys with that are Brothers Without Borders kind of trained all across the U.S. And then we have on the international side in Honduras and the Dominican Republic.
0: So it really is Without Borders. <laughs> like is. you guys are kind of <laughs> communicating via phone or Everything. Zoom or anything like that. And, yeah.
3: And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, our hope is to eventually have just kind of a – uh, first responder kind of support center. I mean, we—that's a still a working title, but just a place that could be a brick and mortar place anywhere in the community where people can come and coffee's on, and we'll have people just in the office that can just sit down and talk, and you know, just kind of a laid-back place where it's a safe place for people to talk.
1: Yeah, I really think that's that's really something that we as responders need is that that safe place you know whether it's a coffee shop or or you know like you said a brick and mortar building i thought it was cool on your on your guys' website you have the uh, the future outlook and you know you have that included in there and looks like you're at your 5 year of 2020 is right now so you know you're getting
3: there i like it we are yeah slow and steady yeah slow and steady Yeah. I
1: I saw that, too, that you guys uh, recently added a uh, police division. We did. That's cool.
3: So that all started down at the Dominican Republic. A couple of Dominican police officers came up to us when I was down there in 2000, I think, 17 or 18. And they said, we see these changes that you guys have done in the firehouse and in the EMS stations and with the paramedics. When can we get that? And I said, It really has nothing to do with us. I mean, I'm down here <laughs> two weeks a year and there's really no way us personally can sustain that. I'm like, we're just we're planting the seed and then the firefighters, and medics, they're cultivating it. And we and we said, We'll be more than happy to come and work with the police officers. And so we came back home, we talked amongst the board of directors and had some of our other people just in the conversation and said, if we're gonna be for all first responders and we need to be for all first responders. Mm-hmm. So we started talking and said, Well, None of us are cops. <laughs> we need to right. get, you know, we're all we want to be for first responders by first responders. But I, I can't relate to a police officer, just much like a police officer probably couldn't relate to a medic or a firefighter. And so we said, all right, we need to get someone who's on board with our mission and someone that can head up the police ministry. So the way it happened, it was just incredible. So a guy named uh, Lieutenant Bob Clancy, he's our police director. He's a lieutenant with the City of Tonawanda Police. He was actually in the Dominican Republic with his wife on a medical trip, and they were going around doing medical stuff and all of a sudden, at dinner one night, him and I just happened to be sitting across the table, made the connection that we live literally six minutes from each other in Buffalo, New York, and here we are in a third world country and he said, i've been thinking about a way I can help influence other police officers and just you know kind of do what you guys are doing with the fire department and we said, "Well, ironically, we're trying to get something like that off the ground with police officers." would you join us? So we brought Bob on board as our director of police ministry. And that's how we got involved with being able to minister to police departments. So now locally we have outreaches. So if anybody calls and says, Hey, I need to talk to a a police officer. We have a police officer they could talk to. That's a certified counselor. Or if somebody calls and says, Hey, I need to talk to a a firefighter, a paramedic that can deal and relate to where I've been. We can refer them to the proper channel. So they know that.
1: So is there like a, like official training that you have your your members go through so that they're able to help this or is it just kind of like self-guided you guys are figuring out on your own and
3: our members go through history so right now we have a partnership with a church called the chapel out in gutsville new york okay. and they actually have certified lay counseling classes okay and so our members that want to be counselors go through those lay classes hmm. and it's four intensive classes usually four semesters worth so within oh wow yeah so within about a year and a half we can try and compress it to the guys will come out with a certified lay counseling degree
0: it's very, that's very, very intense and cool at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a neat story, in that um, it, it kind of goes back to one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up today when we were talking about spirituality as, as a route for um, finding peace and hope. Um, and it's, you know, I, I would, I guess, I'd call it serendipity and silence. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, whether you, whether you're in, in a Christian faith or um, you know a Muslim or, or wherever you are, uh, when you get to that that Prayer when you're when you're doing your prayer when you're sitting down and meditating, whatever it is that you're communing with God with, um, I, I think that is a time when we start to quiet the mind and I think when you quiet the mind that's when you can hear God talk to you, the universe can talk to you, um, and you having that encounter. This is kind of those things where you just sort of were doing what you were doing. You weren't fighting. You weren't struggling. You were just kind of going with the flow. And then this happens. You meet this person. Right. Um, and, and I found a lot of that with with myself and uh, in, in doing meditation and sitting down um, and just being quiet for a while that, you know, when you when you start. To let go a little bit, and I think that's where probably where God comes in is that people say I have to, I don't have control anymore. you mean, talk about uh, the twelve-step programs and those things. You, you, the first thing you do is give over to God and say I don't have control anymore, um, and and at that point you let go, and things can start to happen in your life. Have you have you noticed that for yourselves and for your ministry? I mean, is that kind of where things go with your spirituality?
2: Yeah, first of we can't do it, you know, without God obviously guiding us and helping us, and He has definitely helped us. You know, make a lot of major decisions, but and a lot of it is just you know you just sit back and you're like, "Wow, God really moved." We had a uh, um, we went to go visit an ambulance department. Um, I think it was 2015 or 16. We went down, and, and I'm forgetting the name of the department, but um, we were scheduled to go meet them in the afternoon. And that day, there was a, a shooting um, in a supermarket that ironically we were at the day before, um, just visiting, um, just just to grab some supplies and. The very next day in the morning, there was a shooting there, and they're not very common down in the Dominican. I mean, like here in America, I mean, we unfortunately we're more, you know, we're usually accustomed to having the average shooting, you know, here. Down mm-hmm. there, it's not as common. So down there, it was rare, and it just so happened that that afternoon, we were able to to be there and minister to them. And that, that's one of those, you know, serendipitous things where it's like God orchestrated that. You know, that unfortunately, that happened in the morning to them, but we were able to be there and comfort them. With them, offer them hope, and that was the start of our relationship with them. And it's kind of one of those where you look back, and we're sitting there, you know, in the evening. Like, did that just happen? That was awesome. Just being able to be a part of that and being able to just share hope um, with the ambulance people down there. Um, so you know, you, you talk about you know being right place, right time. God orchestrating it. That was a, a prime example for at least Brothers Without Borders.
1: So down there, do they have like official training? Like we have EMT and paramedic classes. Do they have official training, or is it guys just off the street? I want to help here,
2: and exactly. we'll figure it out as we go. Exactly. I, I think they uh, think they watched a couple of maybe medical shows on YouTube or something. They watch Chicago Fire.
3: But down there, they, <laughs> they don't have different levels of emergency services like we have up here. Down there, you could have basic first aid and CPR, and they call you a paramedic. So when it comes to ALS, they a lot of people here that would like that. (laughs) (laughs) So they do a lot of basic life support down there. A lot of it is more trauma related. Uh, When it comes to a medical emergency, they're basically hop on the gurney and we'll take you to the hospital. I mean, some of them may have like either the ability to do NEB treatments and administer oxygen. But when it comes to any like cardiac drugs or anything like that, it doesn't exist.
1: So, like, you guys go down and do, like, do you guys do like CPR or stop the bleed that kind of stuff with them?
2: Yeah, the first trip that we went down, they we wanted to offer them CPR, and one of the guys came up to us like, we don't do CPR down here because once we get them to the hospital, they don't do anything there either. And we, were, I was just floored by that. And oh, wow. over like the last couple of years, just the medical advancements and stuff that they've had down there, now they actually want it, and we were able to you know do CPR, first aid, splinting, all that kind of stuff with them. So, so they they're they're growing down there. Um, I think we had a small part, at least you know, helping them out in that. But maybe you know, we planted the seed to say, hey, maybe you know, the CPR thing actually works. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was kind of cool just to be able to help them. But now they want it, they have it. Uh, it'd be cool to can maybe bring some ACLS or you know, PAL yeah. Do you guys see this like there.
1: expanding down there, like yeah, the, the start of something bigger for them? You know. Like where they're gonna have like different levels or just one level where people are gonna start going through some type of training officially and
3: yeah, I think for sure, is, I mean, is a lot that the of way the, it's going? Yeah, a lot of the way it's going right now is the they're starting to actually put government-run ambulances in the fire stations, and these guys are trained in more advanced life support than they would be just the basics. And that's all staffed by the government. So once the firehouse signs on, uh, signs on and becomes a part of the official 911 dispatch system, they'll get to sign an ambulance. So it takes some stress off the volunteers, and they'll actually have, um, for sure, trained paramedics there all the time that can handle these emergencies. So, right. so as the 911 system is starting to spread, and also the mutual aid system that we help institute, as Dave talked about earlier, it allows them the opportunity to work more together and kind of grow in training. That's excellent. Yeah. One of the things we did this past trip, we just came back in February of 2020. We were down there, and instead of going to each individual firehouse like we would normally do, we invited everybody to one centralized location for kind of a training symposium. So we did it over the course of two days. We had about 140-something firefighters, paramedics, police officers that just came together. And we started off with a large group session and then actually did individual breakouts.
1: Oh, that's and, that's yeah, yeah that's got to work out really well. Yeah, it worked out. How, how worked many out people great. do you guys take down with you like as the group going down?
3: We've had groups as big as 18, 19. We've had groups as small as six. So it's kind of whoever signs up to go is going to come.
1: Is that, so obviously you guys don't, there's probably not a hotel. I mean, I, I, I'm a little <laughs> naive with this. I'm assuming there's yeah. not a hotel. I'm, you know, I have your webpage up here, and I'm watching all the pictures. So I'm assuming you guys stay at, like, some somebody's house or, or like, at a, yeah, a, at down a there mission? They,
3: yeah, they have a what they call a ministry training complex. Okay. And so it's a place where we can go, get a good night's rest. There's comfortable beds. There's air conditioning in the rooms. Oh, that's, there's a <laughs> that's toi- key. Toil- good toil- food. Toilets. Yeah, good food. <laughs> there's uh toilets that flush so you don't need to... so we're not really roughing it and we found out that as we take people on trips and as a quick sidebar I've traveled internationally all over the place I've been I was in Haiti after the earthquake in 2010 and that was you're basically sleeping under a sheet uh I was in Africa in 2011 helping out with medical work there oh, wow. so we found out that if we can give people a good meal and a good night's rest we're a lot more productive during the day <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. And another thing that we do with our we don't seclude people from coming based upon their religious affiliation or lack thereof um, we've had you know people of all faiths and all you know atheists jewish or you know, whatever anybody can come it's down it's just people that want to yeah, help anybody who yeah. want to come down we just ask that. hey we're going to be talking about yeah, you, know, you know about Jesus a little bit about the Bible. Just be respectful about it, and yeah. you know yeah. we'll have a conversation later on. We still love you. You can come down with us anytime <laughs> you want to come
3: with
2: us. So <laughs> a, you guys are welcome anytime.
3: As a quick shout out, Brian Brunner's come with us twice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm pictures. Uh, yeah, I know
0: he had a great experience down there, and uh, he was he was kind of flared at both the paucity of uh, understanding on some things that they had, and the wisdom that they also had too. Because mm-hmm. he, he showed me a couple of things that he had taught them. Uh, and the one story that he, he talks about all the time is he was talking about how to put a splint on for a uh, shoulder injury. You know, so teaching him splinting yada yada. And the guys were like, oh yeah, that's great, but you can just take a t shirt and do this, and they and they <laughs> flap the t shirt around over the head. And Brian's like, oh okay, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He, he now teaches that as part of some of the classes. Does, class yeah, he, does. he really? Yeah. yeah. No way. Yeah.
1: He's like, oh, let me show you this cool thing that I, I learned in the Dominican. And it's
0: like, oh, that works. So much better. <laughs>
2: it it's not too often that you see Brian absolutely floored by something. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see. Be a little yeah, humble. Absolutely,
0: there. But that, that's cool though. And I think that's probably one of the. things, I'm, I'm guessing that's one of the things that you guys have, um, you know, benefited from personally from from missions. I, I got to imagine mm-hmm. that you're you're learning as much as you are giving down there. And while you're providing hope and providing knowledge and equipment to those those people, um, I'm sure you're you're probably getting a lot out of that too, uh, as far as experiences and, and learning things on your own. Do you want
3: to go? Or you want I'm me just to? Just trying to think. Where do you go from there? Because like I, I've, it's it's super rewarding. Everyone's come home changed.
2: It is. It's it's really neat just to be able to uh, you know sit back and just just see the growth and just in the, the people that come down in their lives and you know whether it be spiritual, um, taking a step out in faith, taking a uh, you know that jump of just hey I'm, I'm scared I'm going to a third world country I'm scared to fly some people have overcome that that fear as well hey if that's a plus and that's a bonus great. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool just to be able to see. It's really rewarding to sit back and see uh, over the span of the that week um, what people can do.
3: And also being down there, it's not just a tripper we go down and pat ourselves in the back for the good we do. Yeah, as you said, Sean, we do learn about, a lot about what they can teach us too. it's also a relationship we go down there and it's basically like long lost family showed up every time we see them they invite us in and the morning is usually a party just catching up on life and talking about any celebrations that happened in the past year and you know marriages kids anything like that and then we actually get into the training and the work for the day oh man
2: they've brought us to you know the food down there that they'll just roll out for us is amazing (laughs) Uh, you know we brought in bands and you know we've we've seen you know, musical acts down there. They'd say, hey, come on, we, we come, come join us. We want, we want to, you know, share in life together. And it was cool just to be able to, you know, not just firefighters, but it's just being able to be a part of their life, which was really cool. Um, you know, and just share like Brandon said, build that relationship with them, which is our, our key thing, you know, knowledge and what we can give down there is secondary compared to, you know, building a relationship. Cause remember people don't, you know, care to what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. And that, that's kind of a philosophy that, that we like to go down there. It's just, you know, caring. Have
0: you noticed? Um, and I'm asking honestly because I don't, I wouldn't know. Uh, ha- have you noticed that the lifestyle there, being being a third world type of, of situation, is? Uh, maybe more conducive to being a little bit contemplative and learning things because I, I look at our everyday life in, in, in this country and you know, being a first responder, you've got pagers and cell phones and you're always on your phone. You're always on a computer and you're doing electronic PCRs and you're getting dispatched. And there's, there's so much. And then when you go home at night, we have news and Internet sites and it's just it's so life is so in your face in this country right now for for a lot of people and I think some people thrive in that and I think a lot of people find that stressful you know they just Mm -hmm. can't unplug Um, and now you guys are going to a place where I think people are probably unplugged all the time you know do you you find that there's a a sense of peace that comes from being unplugged?
2: Absolutely especially because when you go down there unless you have the international plan on your phone you don't have service unless you're connected to a Wi-Fi and some people may like that some people may not some people may go through withdrawals internet withdrawals (laughs) Uh, but uh, you know when you're down there you know it's it's cool just to be unplugged and because you're you don't have your head buried in your phone right. and that forces you to talk to somebody yeah <laughs> and for some yeah. people that might be a little bit scary other people may like that and uh, but it forces you to be able to actually have a conversation with somebody and it's amazing if you put your put your stinking phone down for a second and realize that you know life doesn't happen on your phone it happens yeah. you know face to face and and that is a part that's really neat because you know you do but again you build those relationships and it's amazing what happens when you put your phone down
1: how long are you guys down there for when you go? Like, is it a, like a week thing, a month thing? It's
3: a one-week. One-week thing? One-week trip, yeah. That's all my
2: wife will let me go down as a week. <laughs> More than that, I got <laughs> to <Yeah>.
3: come back. <laughs> <you. laughs> yeah. With uh, firefighters, we go down. Firefighters and paramedics, we go on Saturday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. And with the uh, police officers, we go Wednesday to Wednesday. Oh, we just found that works better for some of the officers' schedules. Oh, well,
0: I guess that makes sense, Yeah. Yeah.
3: Is there uh, a lot of uh,
0: cooperation between the emergency services down there? You know, Like, Dave, I know you're a paramedic with the police department. So, you know, here you're getting a lot of everyday cooperation between EMS and police. But uh, do you find that down there, is there a lot of cooperation between the departments or are they kind of police or police? They're and... getting there.
3: Okay. <laughs> uh, one of the things we had is there's actually different divisions of police. There's uh, tourist police that are specifically there to protect the tourists. There is basically up here what we would call V and T vehicle and traffic police, Mm -hmm. and they're ones that just handle cars. And then there's the actual other police uh, that handle like you know serving warrants and stuff like that. And then they also have the black-hatted police. I forget the actual name in Spanish of them, but they're the ones that are on a shoot-to-kill order if anybody escapes from prison. And they wear all black, and that's what oh. they're known for. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> so when we turn down a street and you see a bunch of guys decked out in black with guns, we know to turn around. You just keep walking the other way. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so many different divisions. A lot of them never work together. So if the vehicle and traffic police did a pullover that ended up going south, they'd be afraid to call for the actual police that serve warrants because they just they don't cooperate and they don't uh, work together too oh, wow. Well. Well. And same thing, if there was a five-car pile up on the main drag, fire department doesn't want to call the police because it becomes a, a match over who's seen it's going to be and who's yeah. going to be in charge. Uh-huh. But since we started working with them in 2011, a lot of those walls have come down. And like, like we keep reiterating, it's all about those relationships where extend the olive branch just to start and see what happens. And if you, know, if you get kicked, then we can go from there. But a lot of times when they say, all right, we're going to call for help, you know, the police will show up to an accident with the fire department and say, why did you guys call us? The fire department says, "Well, we need your help. Can you guys just block the road?" Well, yeah, we'd be happy to. Thanks for calling us. And all of a sudden, it turns into this relationship where now they're going to have coffee together after shift and actually talk about what's That's going cool. on. Cool. Cool.
2: Yeah, we talked about having the you know the firefighter all come together. And you know, this past this past trip, they went on, and uh, it'd be pretty cool if we brought in police departments or even just EMS and have them all work together either tabletop exercises or work on you know maybe active shooter working together that kind of stuff because beneficial here it didn't it'd probably be the same thing down there yeah absolutely uh, so far off goal maybe have them work together but yeah. you know take a step it sounds like you
1: guys already have the blocks going for that like right. you've already started the foundation and it's only a matter of time before that happens
0: mm-hmm. it's really cool all right well we're getting towards the end of the time for this particular broadcast and i want to thank you guys again for coming in uh brandon vizzi and david monroe and uh If you're, uh, it'll be in the show notes, but if you're interested, it is www.brotherswithoutborders.org is the website where you can visit. um, If you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to contribute in some way, Um, they are definitely without borders and uh, they are always looking for additional people to help them uh, both with their local missions and and with their missions overseas as well. Uh, But uh, we thought this would be a good time to um, just Kind of give. We've talked about resiliency to give everybody a, maybe a little example or a little sample of uh, either scriptural things or spiritual practices uh, that have helped us through difficult times, and uh, maybe give people a springboard to jump off of if uh, they're interested in that. So, yeah.
1: You know, uh, Dave was talking about how he had uh, he wanted to talk about some resiliency stuff because he is one of our listeners. So, yeah, let's kick it off to Dave right. and let him start with this one
2: uh so thanks uh yeah. thanks for having us uh, <laughs> yeah, put you on the spot <laughs> right um so I, I mean I understand not everybody's in a different place um in their life and their spiritual walk um whether or not they're a you know a follower of jesus or, or not it, it has nothing to do with you know this isn't this works for me uh, I hope this can you know help somebody out but uh you know it's important that a mentor help me develop a battle plan for when you know crap happens on the street um You know, we we train for you know the best, but unfortunately, sometimes a lot of the calls that we go on, it's it's difficult, and we see a lot of a lot of bad stuff. But so this is kind of my battle plan to happen because you have to have a battle plan, and uh, you know something to stick to. And okay, this is this is my tried, tried and true thing that's going to help me walk through stuff. So whether or not you know it's a bad call, either you know a PED code fire where you know somebody dies, a bad motorcycle accident, whatever it is, um, if it's something to where you know hey, I'm developing these PTSD issues. Or even just signs and symptoms of um, okay, I need, I need to, I need to step back and and this is this is my battle plan that's helped me. First, um, you know wherever at, you know you talked about Sean, you talked about you know getting quiet and getting in a solid solace place. So my first thing is you know I I, I got to sit back, I got to turn off the phone, I got to get in a quiet room, and I, I got to pray. I got to cry out to God. You know He He's the one that's got to help me. He's going to be my sustainer. So I, I gotta I gotta step back and, and I just gotta pray. Um, and I find that a lot of the prayers are even just you know hey if you want to yell out cry out saying hey this is this is i'm really angry that's okay job did it in the bible but but another thing too is just just prayer of thankfulness and you know throughout the you know the anger issues that i had a lot of it is just turn right around just be hey i'm thankful i'm thankful i'm here um, i'm thankful for my job i'm thankful that i'm able to you know help out so a lot of it is just being quiet that that time of meditation um, but then after that um you know I, I have to go back and i and i have to read scripture and and I just have a verse that, that does help me out in Second Corinthians. It says, so we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away; our inner self is being renewed day by day. And for this light, momentary affliction, um, is preparing for us the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are seen, um, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And a lot of it is is it's stuff that's bigger than me. Um, those are the things that you know I need to look and, and you know, I got to step back and just know that hey God's in control God's got it and I just got to meditate on these scripture verses that that help me um then after that you know a lot of it is due is, is attending the formal debrief you know there, mm-hmm. there is that it's just beyond just the um you know anxiety you know it's beyond me i, I need to attend that debrief and somebody's going to help me and and realize hey is there something where you know a psychologist or a psychiatrist can help me out with I got to be open you know to that and go to it Um, then the other one is just reach out. Everybody's got to have an accountability partner. Um, I'm blessed that I have my brother Brandon here. Um, you know, you talked about, you know, early on, you know, you were, you know, in a bad, you know, accident where you almost, you know, died being being a, a diver. And I remember going to, you know, breakfast with you that day and just being able to talk you through some things. And that was kind of the same thing where, you know, you got to have that accountability partner, somebody that you can talk to, somebody you can vent with and yell at. And it's not just one of those, those people that are going to pat you on the back and say, yo, it's going to be okay. Um, find that person that really is going to, you know, one, it's gonna, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, put their arm around you and just care for you, um, show you love, but also a, a partner that's gonna tell you the hard things that you're that you're gonna need to hear to help you better yourself. I mean, I, I don't want I, I don't want a you know a fat person help me through, you know, uh, being a gym. Uh, you know, working out or whatnot. I I, I don't want you know a, a poor financial advisor to advise me with my money. I want somebody who's maybe walked through these things. A teacher, a mentor, somebody that I look up to that has you know been there, done that. That can help me out. Um, and I'm just so thankful that that I do have Brandon and you know other brothers just through the Brothers Without Borders. You know, they're there for me. They're to pray for me. They're to help me walk through things. So reach out to an accountability partner. If you don't have one, Hey, there's a lot of people, brothers that can help you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, shameless, plug. Say again. <laughs> shameless plug, shameless <laughs> plug. But, um, and then the last thing, and you know, this is just stuff that we learned from the, um, that I was able to take the critical incident stress management program. A lot of it is just, just cancel all appointments for the next couple of days and just, you know, J.D., you talked earlier about, you know, going for a walk in the woods at Watkins Glen. That's one of the things. Do something that you love to do that, mm-hmm. you know, you can just, you know, putting together a puzzle, you know, watching mindless TV, stay away from the alcohol and drugs and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to get too overly, you know, after school special on you. But, I mean, that, and just get back to the basics, something that can that can help you out. And th- that was my battle plan that really, you know, helped me out is to you know, I got to pray. I got to get in the Word. I got to read Scripture that's going to help me. I got to ri- remind myself that, hey, these are God's truths that we talked about find that accountability partner, and then through that, um, you know, just do some things that you like to to de-stressify yourself. Cool. Excellent.
3: Brandon, how about you? Um, Yeah, for me, uh, I kind of piggyback on Dave's where it's similar, where it's just solace and find a place to unplug and go by myself and really kind of think through and pray through what happened. Um, I know we talked about before we were rolling about – different beliefs and thoughts in God and stuff like that. And one of the whole reasons going back to the beginning of why Brothers Without Borders started is after working in this field for several years at that point, I asked myself and I grew up in a Catholic religious family. I said, if there is a God and if he's so good, why is he allowing all this to happen? Why am I, why am I seeing this? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I holding a child for the last moments of their life? Why am I doing all this? And that was a question at that point I just didn't have the answer to. And the whole reason Brothers Without Borders existed was to help people answer that question. So, just, so when people ask and cry out to God, we want people to know it, it's okay to be honest and raw. People think when we pray, it should be this, you know, oh, thank you so much for this day. It's okay to be real and honest when we talk to God. Um, one of the things that comes to my mind is in the Old Testament, Psalm 22, David is crying out to God. And... I mean, think of this as a prayer. Sometimes we might say, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away from saving me so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. And how many times have we thought that as we worked in the ambulance where we feel like, you know, God, give me the strength to get through this day. And you just, you keep getting pile upon pile upon pile of terrible calls. And you're like, what are we doing? What am I doing? And so I've been able to find hope and solace in, in knowing that God is sovereign and he put me in this position for a reason. And part of the reason I went through all of my mental struggles and things that I struggle with is so I can share with other people where that hope is and, you know, why why God is good and, and why I, I serve God and why I just want to show other first responders about hope in him. And the first thing I just do is get alone with God. And sometimes I might have a prayer like that. I might ask, where are you? Why am I doing this? And then ultimately, towards the end of it, even David goes on to say, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. But then at the end, there's hope. I will still declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will still praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Everyone honor him. Rever him, all you descendants of Israel. So at the end of it, he still has hope in it. So even though he's crying out in pain and affliction and asking why, I feel like my prayers sometimes have kind of come around that too. And then second to that is honestly just having someone I can talk to, someone who's been there. And you guys know how it is working in the field, it's difficult to open up to people that don't get it. Yeah. My wife's a mm-hmm. teacher. She she doesn't necessarily get it. So when I come home from, you know, whatever it may be, you know, it's just a terrible call. I she she feels compassion, but she just doesn't get it because she hasn't been there. And so I have people I can call on the field like Dave and other people that I've been able to just rely on where you know, working at a level one trauma center, if I had the worst night of my life and just dealt with something you can't unsee, you know, to know I can call that person and just be like, Hey, I need to get a cup of coffee and talk about this. And they can help me bring me back to point zero where I don't need to have that baggage just dealing within me talking about it just helps get it off your chest. And as angry and as frustrating as it is, once you talk about it and kind of let it out into the air at that point, you can start to heal. It's not necessarily just bottling it up.
0: It- and I like that, um, but both of you guys have kind of indicated that you get a little contemplative initially and uh, to have that dialogue with God mm-hmm. initially. And just, you know, you have to kind of go within yourself and say, you know, speak how you want. But, you know, dude, WTF, I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what's the deal with this? Um, exactly. And, and, uh, and it's I, okay I, to
3: be like that. People are afraid to be like that. Well, yeah. yeah. And,
0: and I think uh, depending on how you grew up, you know, you get very pulled into you have to say the Our Father. You have mm-hmm. to say Hail Mary. And that's prayer, you know, and you can't just talk to God. And I, we try to teach our kids, you know, we talk to God, and talk to God. God and say, dude, I'm having a bad day, God. Like, what's going on? Right. Um, and I and I know I, I don't know, and you guys will probably be able to to school me on this a little more because um, this is a this is a perspective that I had heard from a priest uh, during a, a homily, which always stuck with me. Um, and it was a discussion about uh, when Jesus actually taught the Our Father prayer. To to whom did he teach that? <laughs> Do you remember?
3: And Yeah, he was just he teaches his disciples. He was uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I it was but
0: but basically the the philosophy there was that um Jesus was a contemplative. I mean he was a mystic. He went out in the desert and did his thing and, and was quiet and that's how he communed with with God and with everything else and, and uh you know the, the 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 kick for this thing was that you know the people wanted words. And he was like, you don't need words. And they said, well, give us words. We need words. So he's like, all right, well, say this. This is <laughs> Our Father. And that's where it came from. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I like that, you know, even even that that mystical approach of you don't need to have words. It's just that silence that falls, falls in between, and it kind of rolls back around to the interconnectedness of all things. And as I've looked through spirituality and, and the different religious faiths, and, um, you know, I respect parts of, of all of them, um, I, I've noticed this thread of interconnectedness that kind of rolls through everything, whether you're Doing with this religion or that religion, um, that we're all connected. We're not connected to the universe. We're connected to God. We're connected to each other. Um, and I think when you can get quiet again and go back and talk to yourself or talk to, to God or the universe or whatever your notion is of, of something being out there, you'll find that connectedness starts to speak back to you, and then you'll have those serendipitous uh, type of things. I, I have a, a real quick thing, in, and this is um, this is a gentleman named. Uh, John O'Donoghue, he was an Irish priest, actually, uh, and uh, he passed away, unfortunately, in 2008. But he wrote a book called uh, Anamkara, and it's a, it's a very interesting Celtic spiritual, spirituality uh, if you're interested in, in delving into those things. Um, and I'll have J.D. put the book there in the show notes, Anamkara. Uh, but uh, he has this blessing of solitude, and I just want to kind of read this real quick. May you recognize in yourself the presence, power, and light of your soul. May you realize that you are never alone, that your soul and its brightness and belonging connects you intimately with the rhythm of the universe. May you have respect for your own individuality and difference. May you realize that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here. That behind the facade of your life, there is something beautiful, good, and eternal happening. May you learn to see yourself with the same delight, pride, and expectation with which God sees you in every moment. Um, and I just thought this is this is one of those prayers that kind of got me through during a, a bad time um, from from John Donahue. So <sighs> posthumously, thank him mm-hmm. and uh, hope he's doing fun things wherever he is and. Uh, That's cool, but uh, I appreciate you guys sharing all those very personal things. Um, And and, uh, like I said, this is not meant to espouse any one religion over the other. It's to uh, give our listeners an idea of, of, you know, just the
3: types of things that Mm -hmm. can
0: happen for you spiritually, whatever you do and practice, and uh, hopefully you can find
3: some hope and peace. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, they can feel free to reach out to us. We have a. You beat me to it. I was just gonna. <laughs> hey,
1: what's your contact yeah.
3: information? Yeah. So we actually uh, were able to secure the domain for a shorthand website. So you can, if you can't remember Brothers Without Borders, it's a long word. Bwob. Org. You can get a hold of us, and you can also email us at prayer. P r a y e r at bwob. Org, and that'll go specifically to anybody um, to our prayer team, and they can help you guys get plugged into counseling. Anything anybody needs. And even just to continue this dialogue or discussion, if people are saying, hey, if if God is real, how do you know he's real? And how is he allowing this to happen? We'll have that conversation with you. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Oh, my guys.
0: <laughs> the EMS Wise Guys are John, J.D., D. Virgilio, and Sean P. Hulsman. The podcast is recorded and produced in the Speakeasy Studios Amherst, New York. All opinions and ideas presented are the opinions and ideas of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the hosts or guest employers. Theme music for the podcast provided by Scott Holmes. If you have feedback, praise, questions, complaints, or death threats, please contact us at podcast at emswiseguys.com. Thank you for listening. and Be safe out there.